everyone. I'm Jensine Bard, and welcome to Testimony, where truth is told, lives are changed, and hope is given. Revelation 12:11 tells us that we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony, a testimony of your story for His glory. He's the best-selling author of over 30 books, having interviewed six American presidents, seven first ladies, 19 presidential children, and 12 presidential siblings, as well as co-founding the renowned Charity Awards and later Mercy Corps, which has distributed $2 billion in food and medicine worldwide, and this just for starters. This statesman of honor has had the honor of being advisor to two American presidents and knows well the ins and outs of the highest office in the land, which is why his latest number one New York Times bestselling, Inside Trump's White House, the real story of his presidency, should come as no surprise. So why the death threats prior to its release? And what in over 600 pages of raw quotes from the president himself, his family, and top aides would be so damning, revealing, and exposing. Ladies and gentlemen, would you welcome to testimony a high honor indeed, presidential historian, author, speaker, humanitarian, and authorized biographer of President Donald J. Trump, Mr. Doug Weed. Mr. Weed, Doug, if I may, welcome to testimony. Thank you so much, it's great to, great to hear your voice. Well, Mr. Reed, before we begin part one of our two-part conversation, I would love our listeners to hear just a little of your own faith journey, how you came to faith in Christ, and how that has impacted what you are doing today as America's presidential historian. And then let's get right into your stunning and brilliantly written Inside Trump's White House. Doug Weed, please tell us that story. Well, I grew up in an evangelical home, and that doesn't guarantee anything, <laughs> as you know, because there were four boys in the family, and we all went different ways, uh, but somehow it, it stuck with uh, my brother and I, the youngest brother, and I was the third one, and uh, I'm just very, very grateful and thankful to have had God's help all these years. Amen and amen. And we have a president in the office who is very vocal about his religious belief and in defense of religious freedom. So that sounds like a, a very good fit to me. So let's get right to it. In an earlier interview, you mentioned having received death threats prior to the release of your book on President Trump, and not just you, your family as well. Can you elaborate? Yeah, we got multiple death threats, and they were very specific uh, names of all our children and details about their lives that showed uh, some um, pretty complicated research. And uh, the author said that this book should not go forward and should not be published. And it was serious enough that the house that printed my book, the editor, said in 40 years she'd never, they had never had a death threat. And uh, she offered to uh, withdraw the book from publication, let me keep my money and just not publish it. I said, no. I, I asked the kids, no. They believe in freedom of speech. And we went forward. 
Well, praise God that you did. Now, at the time of this recording of our interview today, impeachment proceedings have been levied against the President, Donald J. Trump, for no apparent legal, accurate, or substantiated reason. Your thoughts after garnering firsthand commentary from the President himself. Well, I'm watching this, and it, I find it very, very fascinating. It, it, it seems like the, the accusations and the tone and the justification for the accusation has changed pretty dramatically. I mean, just a few weeks ago, a Democratic presidential candidate that the Constitution was gated, and uh, the Democrats were talking about changing the Constitution so they could add Supreme Court members increased the number, diluted until they got the kind of uh, decisions they wanted from the Supreme Court. They talked about changing the Electoral College and scrapping that whole section of the of the uh, Constitution. They talked about uh, ending the Second Amendment uh, on campuses. They they brought in a Stanford professor to argue why the president should be impeached, but. At Stanford University, they don't allow the First Amendment. Freedom of speech isn't allowed on campus. So it's very odd to hear uh, Nancy Pelosi talking about the Constitution, which is compelling her to uh, lead to impeachment. And she's talking about the Founding Fathers. Only uh, a few weeks ago, they were saying that the Founding Fathers are all criminals and slave owners and Project 1619 from... Uh, the New York Times wanted to totally rewrite the curriculum in American schools. And so it's kind of, uh, things are changing very rapidly. It's hard to keep up with all of it. Wow. Why was the 2016 election the biggest upset in presidential campaign history? Can you elaborate? Well, they didn't expect it. And they, meaning the powers that be, just stop and think every single former president voted for Hillary Clinton. The billionaires in America, your listeners can Google this themselves to see, voted 20 to 1 for Hillary Clinton. 419 newspapers endorsed her, only 19 endorsed him. They had the money, 6 to 1. They had the largest ground game in American political history, almost 800,000 volunteers. They had Hollywood, they had academia, they had big business. If you look through the list of the top 10 largest uh, corporations in America, the CEOs of all but one of them are Democrat, and the chairman of the board of all but one are Democrat. They voted. Most of them overwhelmingly donated to the Clinton Foundation before they supported her politically. So for Donald Trump to win against that, of course, of course it was unexpected. Do you think the president would have run for office knowing the hell that would be unleashed prior and after his election? I think he would have. I, I've talked to him about it, and he knows uh, that it's bad, and it is worse than he thought it would be and that he was prepared for. But I think he'd have run anyway. For years, uh, he, uh, Jazine, he sat there at his desk, uh, his children, Ivanka, Don Jr., Eric, playing at his feet, and he'd rip up the newspaper and underline things and file things, and he was kind of 
I was almost a nerdy guy that was saying, why doesn't the government do this? Why don't they do that? <laughs> Kept hoping that somebody would come along and correct the most outrageous things that were occurring, but nobody ever did. So he finally ran for president himself. Ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to presidential historian Doug Weed on his latest must-read, Inside Trump's White House. Doug, you were given first-hand access to confidential documents at the authorization of the president, who was very careful to outline stipulations and protocol, in particular, his meeting with Korean dictator Kim Jong-un. Can you share about that? Yeah, he, you know, they took a year or so to decide whether to really let me in. They'd been burned before by writers, and I tried my best to assure them that my purpose was to record what they thought, what they were saying as primary sources for history. We had enough anonymous books and secondhand, thirdhand stories created from people who um, publicly denied that the events ever took place. I wanted primary sources. And so he opened up. Finally, after about a year, he decided, okay, you can talk to anybody you want to. He offered these, this private correspondence that I could have access to that. And if they're going to open the door, I walked through it. <laughs> Amen. Did that surprise you? It did. The extent of the freedom he gave me to, uh, I told him I wanted to interview the, the cabinet. And uh, Sarah Huckabee Sanders was there when we had this conversation. He said, sure. Talk to anybody you want. So with that kind of introduction, I thought, okay, well, before I interview the cabinet, I want to interview Jared and Ivanka. I want to interview Don Jr. and Laura and Eric and Tiffany. And, uh, I want to interview you, Mr. President, the cabinet later. And I, as it turned out, I, I did interview some of the cabinet foreign ministers and some hostages and Apollo White, some of his friends. But mostly I stayed right in the Trump family. It was just too interesting to me. Right. It's very interesting. I'm just really enjoying reading your book. Let's continue. Talk about Russia collusion and why, according to Jared Kushner, if I have it right, might be the gift for the greater good and his role in achieving this. Yeah. Uh, uh, nobody wanted Russian collusion and, uh, and the accusations. It's, that's awful and uh, a, a terrible president called it a witch hunt and a hoax. It's rather ridiculous. But Jared did make the point to the president. He said, you know, if they had made up lies about your building, your casino, New Jersey, Atlantic City, and they made up lies about zoning boards in New York, people might have believed them. They would have been so complicated, they wouldn't have known whether to believe them or not. But they picked the one scandal that it's so ridiculous that you are so provably innocent. And so in that sense, it's a blessing. And, of course, the kids, the Trump kids told me as they traveled around the world from time to time, heads of state would pull them aside and, and say, please tell your father how sorry we are that he's going through this Russian collusion nonsense. And when I heard that, I thought, well, of course, of course, if you're the president of France or you're the prime minister of of the UK, if you're Benjamin Netanyahu, and you see this article in the New York Times, 
you're going to get on the phone and call the Mossad, your secret service, and you're going to say, tell us, we want to know right now, <laughs> please. You know, I've known the Trumps all my life. Is he a Russian spy or not? I need to know by 6 p.m. tonight <laughs> uh, because the future of the economy of their country, the future of the defense of their country all depends on whether or not that's true. So the whole world knew. They couldn't wait for two years for the Mueller investigation. There's 120 intelligence agencies in the world, and they all figured it out. Ladies and gentlemen, you have been listening to internationally acclaimed author, writer, speaker, and presidential historian Doug Weed. His latest number one New York Times bestselling, Inside Trump's White House, the real story of his presidency. You can learn more about Doug Weed's work, ministry, and mission by visiting DougWeed.com and get his book, Get Informed, and get the real story from those who have lived it and in their own words, as officially authorized, from the president himself, Donald J. Trump. Mr. Weed, Doug, sir, what a great honor bringing your voice to testimony for such a time as this. We applaud your courage, perseverance, and commitment in the face of evil, and yes, death threats too, to pen a true historical account of the 45th president of these United States and for generations to come. We look forward to hearing much, much more next week. God bless and protect you. Thank you, Jen. Testimony is a global broadcast made possible by the generous contributions of our valued partners at Jensine Bard Ministries and you, our listening audience. Together, we are reaching souls for Christ one testimony at a time. If you would like information on how you can support this broadcast with your tax-deductible gift, please visit us at jensinebard.com. That's one word, J-E-N-S-I-N-E-B-A-R-D.com. And join the conversation at our Facebook page, Testimony with Jensine Bard. Thank you for listening, and please join us again for testimony.